Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we can't believe Sora beat out Qbert for the final Smash DLC character. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including Sora coming to Smash. And then on Thursday, Game & Watch Month officially begins. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I cannot believe the Game & Watch Month is upon us. We're in it. We've been talking about Game & Watch Month. For so long. For so long. And before we were talking about it on the show, you and I were talking about it in private. <laughs> And the fact that it's uh-huh. here, it feels like NCS Christmas a little bit. It does a little bit. Um, we now, mind you, this is not in re- in to to replace Christmas. We will still celebrate. No, that's Christmas right. We're not year. canceling Christmas. <laughs> that's right. Um, Mark, I know we're not doing weather anymore, but I just want to point out that's very windy in Los Angeles it's, right now. It's, it's, it's very, very windy. It's very strange. I drove over. I drove over here uh-huh. to your place. Uh, and almost blown off the road. Almost blown off the road. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, like everyone having a real tough time staying on that road. Um, and you can't see anything. We're in like a dust storm. It's very oh, strange. Wow. Wow. It's like you're like uh, uh, the bad guy in mm-hmm. that's driving in the dust storm in Mission Impossible Gross, Ghost Pro- Gross po- Protocol. <laughs> gross Protocol. That's right. <laughs> that's the Halloween version yeah, of it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, speaking of Gross Protocol, would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces? You certainly can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. You play it for as long as you want, or you don't play it for as long as you want. You keep it for as long as you want, then you send it back. Back to me at paper postage both ways. It's a perfect borrowing program, uh, and part of that perfection is that there may, in fact, be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in a box that says Sonic Forces. That's just something that happens. Uh, it doesn't make it any less perfect. Um, it's not an accident necessarily, but it is something that could happen. Checking in, Patrick. Yeah. Are uh, Sonic Forces and Untitled Goose Game out in the wild right now? Are somebody and some people's enjoying <laughs> Sonic Forces? And entitled Goose Game. Well, I can't speak to enjoyment, but neither of the games are in my apartment at present. Okay. So they, they are out in the wild. Um, in the future, I I, I would I, I don't appreciate the question uh, wanting to know uh, if like one of those two games is. Like one of them is out, and I will not specify which one. <laughs> You're right. You know I'm what sorry. I mean? Yeah. I'm not trying to get not fishing you can't nail for me down here, like that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, here's another thing. You can do. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it so much. One of the joys of doing this show, Patrick, is, of course, getting to hang out with you every week. Another joy is getting to interact with our listeners, and whether that's through emails people send us, whether that's through tweets, or people leaving us five-star reviews, wherever they get their podcasts. If you leave it in the U.S. Apple Podcast Store podcast store it's gonna be one of those nights we <laughs> it's the wind man Blame the wind it's blowing your teeth around uh if you leave it in the u.s apple podcast store we'll see it and so we'll give you a shout out on the show but we would love to give you a shout out no matter where you leave your review so send us an email hit us up on twitter tell us where you left a review and we'll gladly give you a shout out 
Um, also, as we mentioned earlier, it is in fact Game and Watch Month, so you have precious little time to get us your Game and Watch memories or your Game and whatever you want to talk about in Game and Watch. Uh, we will be fielding those emails uh, sort of throughout the throughout the month. Um, so keep them coming. Love what we've gotten so far. Thank you, everyone who has already written in uh, Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. Um, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Metroid Dread, baby. Oh, my gosh. It's yes. here. We're there. Uh, I I almost couldn't believe it, turning it on, that I had a new uh, Metroid game to play. Yeah, yeah. Didn't really, I didn't entirely know what to expect. I was very excited for this. Yeah. To the point where, like, uh, I was expecting to be let down. Mm-hmm. But I have not been. I So, uh, I did not love Samus Returns. Right. Um, and th- that's where we part ways a little bit, because yeah. I did love Samus Returns. It is a game that I 100%ed. I am not a get everything in the game kind of guy, but I did for Samus Returns. Yeah, and so uh, I th- enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. The, um, I didn't love like the combat. I don't know. I it, it just didn't like j- all gel for me that well. And so I was a little bit nervous going into Metroid Dread just because this is like another Mercury Steam yeah. developed Metroid game. But I. Uh, I feel like Samus Returns was a really good warm up, if that's what it was, because Metroid Dread is awesome. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. really have yep. any. I yep. I don't really have anything like negative to say about the game. Yeah, well, it's. I, I mean, I I absolutely agree with you that I sort of love every second of it. Um, with uh, while trying to like touch base on like where we are in the game. Uh, Mark and I were both having a little bit of a hard time because neither of us really want to spoil any yeah. part of the experience for the other. So we're not going to – we're going to speak about the game in sort of the broadest of terms and maybe only discuss things that we've seen in, like, trailers. Yeah, and, and I think stuff that's here. fair. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I also, like I, – I absolutely love it. I, I think the way that it um, – paces out um like power-ups and discovering new areas is very like interesting and innovative for a metroid game um and uh it maybe this is just my perspective as someone who has played all of them multiple times but it feels like it's a game made for someone who has played metroid games before Mm. like it feels to me like the game knows that you have expectations going in and either plays into them or subverts them uh, as it deems necessary. Yeah, I, I think that if you are if you have played all the Metroid games, that you can enjoy it on that level. But I don't think that like you need to have played the Metroid games in order to appreciate like the pacing yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like, um, I yeah, I, I I agree with that. And and generally speaking, I am not the oh yeah, you got to play all the previous game. No, you have so little time. Just play the new game. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I I will always support that uh, idea. I'm curious to know: Have you been playing it in handheld or on the TV or both? Uh, I have been playing it mostly on the TV. A okay, li- li- how, how was that then? Great. Okay. Uh, I, why 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 do you ask? I'm ju- I'm just curious because I've been playing exclusively in handheld mm. because for whatever reason, like I feel like I need like. I need it close to me to like really scrutinize the map and yeah, really yeah, yeah, like yeah. know. Uh, I don't know. I for I I when I first started, it was my first time connecting like Bluetooth headphones to it since that was possible has been possible on the Switch because I really wanted to be like in it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I wanted that atmosphere. I wanted all that kind of stuff. And so I think that's why I've started in handheld mode and why I've kind of like stuck in 
with handheld mode yeah. is because I I want that feeling of being like immersed in the game. I really really like um the environments. Yeah, they're amazing in the game. Yeah, I really thought leading into it that I was going to hate the Emmy sections. Yes. Because generally I don't really like, you know, like the unstoppable machine that hunts you down kind of thing mm-hmm. in games. Um, I, it's like usually too stressful for me. And the first time you encounter Emmy, it was very stressful. Right. Like, uh, <laughs> and so I like had to take a break afterwards. It was like, okay, I did it, put it down, but getting further into the game even the Emmy encounters begin to feel like the rest of the game where it's like, ah, I have leveled up, you know, like I have more. It's And it's not even that you have like power ups that can. Um, yeah. In some ways, it's just sort of your understanding. You're just getting better at the, the game. It's the like you are yeah. leveling up. Yeah. Um, like I'm getting better at the timing for countering Emmy. And mm-hmm. I still don't get it every time, but I can like. St- do it I enough. still don't get it most times. Yeah, yes, yes. Yes. Completely. And I die a lot in this game. Me I die too. on boss battles. I die at Emmys. Mm-hmm. Like I die all the time. But I the game is very forgiving. Yeah. Especially where the Emmys are concerned, because it will drop you right back uh, on the other side of the nearest Emmy door. So it is really like they understand that the Emmy rooms are specific, like action puzzle encounters. And if you mess up that puzzle encounter, it doesn't want to punish you by sending you back to a save point or anything. It just makes you want it. It makes you attempt that action puzzle again. Yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of you know like uh, Super Meat Boy or totally. Celeste, where it's yeah. like they know that these areas are challenging, and so it, like failing is part of it, and they just kind of like you just respawn quickly and you're right back. Yeah, um, especially in the Emmy sections, like right back where y- you were to try again where you failed. So it's like oh, okay, like. Yeah, I don't know. I I was expecting to really hate those sections, but and I still get sweaty palms when it's yeah, like too. when I'm in them. But it's like a fun kind of uh, stress yeah. versus just like hating having to go through them. Where I feel like that's a really difficult it could balance. Have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and th- there's also like nothing quite as liberating as once you have cleared an Emmy area to just be like strolling through oh, it later. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah. mm, th- this is green on my map now. <laughs> no one can hurt me here. It makes me wish that there was a mode that was just um, like Emmy room challenges, um, like a, a, a boss rush of just uh, like Emmy encounters. That sounds miserable to me, but more power to I you. I mean, it, it sounds like it'd be super fun, especially if they uh, like had it, uh, you know, where you were just like respawning right away and just like tackling oh, it like, yeah, on yeah. its own, you know? Yeah. I see what you're saying. Almost like a boss, boss, boss rush, rush mode. Yeah. Yeah. But with just like Emmy encounters. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or like uh, I was envisioning like a, remember Metal Gear, Metal Gear, uh, the VR missions that like after uh, after Metal Gear Solid, they put out like uh, a series of just like individual missions no. uh, that you played like in in the character in VR. Um, and so it was just like you have to accomplish one thing on this like fake map. Um, and like that was it. Um, if it was just like, okay, here's an Emmy room. Oh, and, that'd like, be fun. It. <laughs> it's like NES Remix, but for Emmy room. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I don't really know what else to say about it because right, without the experience too, is yeah. so like uh the joy of the game is the experience yes, of like agree. um leveling up and encountering the different areas and everything. Uh I think 
and actually now I can't even remember what's in the trailers. I hesitate to say it. So I'll just say the bosses have been fun so far. Mm -hmm. It's another thing where it's like I die a bunch, but um, but you learn a little more. I every learn time. a little more, and I realize like, oh, that was like my fault. Like usually, yeah. what happens is I go into a boss battle and I like do okay. But then I just get like destroyed because I'm not really paying attention to my health or the patterns. Right. And then, but again, you respawn exactly where you need to be. You're in it really quick. They let you skip cutscenes if you you know want to. And so it's really easy to just like get a little bit better each time. I know this is really overplayed, but it reminded me of playing like Bloodborne. Similar thing where it's like, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna figure out this boss's pattern, I'm gonna die a bunch, but then I'll eventually get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it, knowing that uh, when you run into a room and there's a boss, you're like, okay, that's fine. He's gonna kill me this time, uh -huh. right? Um, and you're just like, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna try to hang as best I can. If I can spot any patterns in this first run, like great. Otherwise, I know I'm gonna try it a couple more times. I did see today uh, there was an article in Kotaku about one of the bosses. How if you sequence break the game, like if you get an item yeah. earlier, yes. there's like a special way that you can kill this boss that you is only possible if you like did that sequence break to get this particular ability. And I thought that was so I think that's so cool. Cause it's like, okay, like the developers are encouraging and expecting people right, to, to try to like break. to sequence yeah. break and see what happens. See, I, I am I am at a point in the game right now where um, I've just uh, I there, there was a, a little like ramp up where I was getting a lot of special abilities like all kind of in a row, um, and then it was a little bit unclear to me where to go next. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like it's the first time where the game really like reflects the world back at you and is like, okay, now go. You've got you've got space to clean up you've got other uh, places to explore with your new abilities um that like it feels very open to me right now where um there are a lot of times where it feels like the game is kind of funneling you in very specific directions um so to know that there are uh like areas to even like sequence break before that makes me i don't know it just it, it seems like the game is like bigger and more um probably allows you to do more than you realize as you're like stumbling through it. Um, just trying your best to like get to the, the next thing. Yeah. It does seem like a game that uh, rewards replaying. Yes. Because after you've done it once, you're like, Oh, okay. Like I kind of have a sense of it. The, what you're talking about, Patrick, like where the game funnels you and then has moments where it like opens up and is like, go wherever you want. And then it's going to funnel you again. Yeah. Um, to me, that is perfect because I, hate not knowing where I'm supposed to go in games. And one of the things that I did not like about Samus Returns is, or uh, I mean, even about like Yoku's Island Express is being like, okay, I kind of know where I need to go. Like, but I cannot remember for the life of me how to get there. Yeah. And I find that so frustrating. I have not really found that to be the case in Samus Returns. There are moments where I'm like, I don't a hundred percent know where to go next, but there was but never a moment where I was like, but I don't know where to start. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Well, and the, the game has a pretty solid map feature um, that uh, allows you to, like, it shows you um, every single kind of, like, door or destructible block that you've encountered. Um, and if you want to, you can highlight um, a certain kind of door or block or whatever. So when you get a new power-up ability, if you have, uh, you know, like, tagged those, not, not even, like, you don't have to do it consciously, the game does it automatically, um, that you'll just be able to find them again on the map. Um, I have not yet, power bombs is, isn't a, there are power bombs in the game. Um, I do not have them yet, but I have encountered many power bombable 
spaces. And in fact, I even picked up uh, like extra power bombs, but I just don't have the ability uh, to use hi. them yet, which I think is so cool that I picked up an expansion uh, pack for uh, an, uh, an item I don't have yet. Um, but yeah, so like I, I have on my map like marked where uh, those power bombable spaces are. And so when I get that ability, I'll be able to hunt them back down and, and you know, reap the rewards of that. Yeah, it's um, I I feel like Metroid has the reputation as being like a really specific type of game that uh, can be difficult to get into. But if you've ever been curious in Metroid about Metroid, I think that Metroid Dread is an amazing starting point. Yeah. Because I just think the game is that good at being both like giving you clear direction, but also allowing you to uh, moments of like, going wherever you want to go and not even moments i think like you could probably spend more time exploring the world uh in the moments where like what i'm considering like where it's funneling you right you probably could like you could the map is always open so right. but you can always it's, it's so good like, at yeah. like player psychology that it's just pointing you in the right direction and like you can choose to break that if and you want there definitely are times where like oops you fell down a hole and you can't get out until well, you yes. do this thing <laughs> Uh, but, you know, one of the things that Super Metroid is praised for is uh, it's, like, uh, ap- atmospheric storytelling. Yeah. Like, a lot of, like, show, don't tell. And the game does a lot of that. There are discrete moments where they advance the story, but they are very few and far between. And pretty short, yeah. too. Um, the, the, the game does a really great job of... Uh, showing you things that are mysterious and intriguing, uh, and then taking them away from you. Yeah. Um. Like the the sort of like beat that kicks off the whole like adventure. Like Samus lands on this planet and something happens to her. Um. Is so intriguing and so like why like you demand more information about it. And it's just cool to like see the sort of like remnants of the society, whatever was there, um, and try and like piece it all together. It's super super cool. So I think that I'm pretty close to the end of the game. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I'm sh- sure I have I still have hours left. Like sure. I'm not like it's not a, right there the finish line. But um, I I'm I'm loving this game. I'm enjoying it more than I expected to enjoy it. Wow. Like it's I cannot wait to get back to playing Metroid Dread. Yeah. No. I'm I'm also very excited to get back to playing it. Uh, there were uh two other things I want to talk about with this game, and I'm only remembering one right now, so that's the one I'll talk about. Um. Uh, very early in the game, during your first uh, Emmy encounter, um, you uh, get access to a beam called the Omega Beam, um, which can be used to actually fight the Emmys themselves. Um, but you get it by fighting these like creatures that look like Mother Brain. Um, so you are 100% getting the beam from the end of Super Metroid from fighting like little Mother Brain clones. Like it's so cool to me that like it's pay- paying homage to like some of my favorite things from uh you know earlier metroid games and that's one of the few like i guess like mini bosses we'll call it yeah like it repeats through the game but it's it is fun when it shows up again because as you're, you're just getting more powerful yeah and so the first time you know you're like how do i fight this it takes a long time but the more powerful you get the better you are at defeating it yeah um also i think just like the level designs and the world itself is really i'm hoping that as the story develops there's like explanation maybe for what exactly is going on here because 
Uh, it's got a real like Dharma initiative vibe totally, to it, right? Where totally. Like, some like some people were here; they were up to something. Yeah, yeah. Because like in the background, you know, of just like an area that you're traversing, there will be this big like thing. Maybe it was a boss that you fought earlier. I wasn't paying that oh my close God. attention. But it's yeah. I mean, there's like robots like working on it, like dissecting it. And, like, I assume poking that it. thing's gonna come back later. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. and you're just like, oh, okay, like. So, Clearly, something is going down here, or was going down here, and uh, yeah, they, I, I'm super intrigued by yeah. the whole thing. There is a, like an aquarium section where, which has just like some awesome stuff going on in the background. That again, I don't want to like spoil the experience, but like it's just so rad to see um, the environment, both like the way that the people who uh, settled there uh, tried to like control it, and in the ways that like they can't because it's yeah. just too like wild and alien and. And Samus has so much personality this time, mm -hmm. even though she says nothing. nothing. I don't think she's yeah, under the word, but she, I feel like they did a really good job of making her expressive and making her feel like a character and not just like a suit of armor. Yeah, totally. Um, and the, the thing that does speak, and this is sort of, uh, cool and not what I had pictured uh, when we met the the Adam uh, AI in Metroid Fusion. Um, but so there there is like an AI that when you check in with it, it kind of like debriefs you on what you just experienced and offers like some words of advice about like what to do next. Um, and it's all very general. Like it, it is not a super helpful mm -hmm. um, AI, but it speaks to you in this like garbled, like very robot-y voice. Um, and like it still does that. It still has that affectation of like calling you lady. Yes, which um, totally made me think of like other M. Yeah, well, and the, the, it's it's an other M slash Metroid Fusion thing, right? Like it's in both uh -huh. of those games. Um, and like hearing a dude say like that, okay with you, lady? I'm like, I hate this. But hearing a robot voice like try to emulate the experience she had with a human being, very cool. <laughs> Um, also, I got my uh, my special edition version of this game with the steel book, and like it came in a giant box with a uh, an art book. Oh, so nice! Um, and I was flipping through the art book and uh, looking at concept art from the original Metroid, from uh, the Return of Samus, from Super Metroid, from Fusion, and then uh, you know, a couple pages on um, uh, Zero Mission and Samus Returns, and then uh, like the latter half of the book is all stuff from this game and i was like oh no i have to i have to close oh, this sure i don't i don't want to see these characters before i don't want to see these monsters before i have to blow them to pieces with my arm cannon um but i love it i'm so it's it was ridiculous that i spent 30 extra dollars on this thing but i'm so glad i did like it just it looks so uh handsome it's just sitting behind my switch right now uh i'm very happy with it man i i i didn't get a, a switch oled mm. and i don't i Maybe I will eventually. I don't really know. Um, but when I was seeing people's experiences with it and yeah. like the... Because well, you're playing in the handheld mode. I in a handheld yeah. mode where I'm like, ooh, this would be such an amazing way to play Metroid Dread. It really... I, I hope this game is a success because it really feels like Metroid is back in a big way. Yeah. And I... It feels... For me, my experience with Metroid Dread so far is, is it's is taking everything I loved about like Super Metroid and uh, Metroid Zero Mission and Metroid Fusion and bringing it to like another level. Like it truly feels like a modern Metroid game. And then I won another one already. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I want more of this. <laughs> You're not even this. done with this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah. 
me, me too. But also, like, there's no point in my life where it, you, if you asked me, do you want more Metroid, would I have said no? <laughs> so, <laughs> almost literally no point in my life. Um, Mark, have you been playing anything else this week? I have been playing Tetris 99. Yep. There, there was, was a Tetris Maximus there this was, week. Yeah, t- Monster Hunter Rise. Mm-hmm. Um, How'd you feel about that theme? I, so, uh, I have not played any Monster Hunter, really, outside of, like, a few demos. And so, uh, the specifics... like the uh, uh, emblems that are on the different Tetris pieces, like all that kind of stuff were lost on me, but I really liked the music. It felt like very epic. Yes. uh, Which was a fun way to play Tetris 99. And it was epic in the, like uh, the like walking through middle earth themes of, of, of uh, Lord of the Rings where it's not like, uh, it's not like an action sequence, but it's like it's very regal, yes, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it felt it felt like you were doing something important in playing Tetris. Um. My highest rank was eleven, which I felt really good. Hey, about. Hey, all right. Yeah. Nicely done. Uh, I did get a first place. <laughs> uh, and uh, this was another weekend where Sarah got into it as well. So, um, I believe she also scored uh, a first place in there at some point too. So, um. I hope they never stop doing these Tetris Maximus uh, cups. They're they're the best. Yeah, I I love the getting the new themes each yeah, time yeah. and seeing what they are. Uh, I've also been playing a little bit of Legend of Zelda: Skyward Sword. So before Metroid Dread came out, or actually like on that Friday, I played a little bit of Skyward Sword before starting Metroid Dread because I wanted to get myself into a place where like mm. I had just ac- finished w- one task and am now ready to like. You needed, the you needed to one. park it. I needed to park it, exactly, yeah. and be like in a place where I'd be like, okay, not in the middle of something, but at the beginning of something so I can then get back into it right. discreetly. Right, smart, smart. Um, after playing a little bit of Metroid Dread in that first Emmy encounter, it, I found it so like stressful in a, uh, in a fun way, but that I was like, maybe I need like to play a little bit of Metroid Dread and then <laughs> set it aside and play like Skyward Sword as a de-stressor. Sure, okay. Because that game like... The done like nothing in Skyward Sword. It has been fun, but nothing in there has been particularly challenging. Right. In the same way the Metroid Dread has been, but I was too into Metroid Dread to go back. So, um, uh, but Legend of Zelda: Skyward Sword parked for right now, but excited to go get back into it. I'm at the part where I just finished like the first three or four temples, and like there's like a three new like things I need to do before. Uh, I can go on to the next temple or whatever. Yes, yes. This is all very vague. I can't remember what the specifics of what right, they're called so are. You, so you have not flown into the storm in the sky. So yet. I flew into the storm okay. in the sky and um, opened up okay, the thing yeah. that was in there. And that's basically, I did like a few tasks outside of that. And now I'm ready to go to like the first like beacon or whatever it is that okay, you're looking okay. for. Okay, so so you're you're gonna revisit each of the three areas. Yeah, I think I think I landed in like Farron Woods or whatever. Okay, okay. Yeah. And that's where I stopped. Um I'm actually not that much further than that right now. So you Mark, you are catching up to me. <laughs> um I have not played uh Skyward Sword uh this week. Uh, I continue to pour time into uh game and watch games. We will obviously talk more about those um as we go throughout this month. Um but yeah, that's what we've been playing. Mark, let's close this out and let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, October 12th, Ori the Collection is released for Switch. Uh, and that's a physical copy of uh, the two Ori uh, and the Will of the Wisps and the Blind Forest.
And also Disco Elysium, the final cut, and Gang Beasts is released. Um, Disco Elysium, one of those games that I always uh, like think I should make the time to play, but I will. I probably never will. No, I feel the same way. I when this game first came out, uh, I just remember hearing amazing things about it, and I think if I played it, I would really, really enjoy it. I just don't know when I'm going to get to it. I still haven't played um, the that Ace Attorney game that came out in July that yeah. I was like super hyped for. I just haven't had time. Right. There's the Castlevania Advance Collection. It's just like there's too much. I I just don't know. Right. I mean, plus we're both like in the middle of Metroid Dread and uh, <laughs> Skyward Sword. Sword. And I promised I was going to play Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. That's never happening. <laughs> I, I'm like two hours into Eastward. I don't know if I'm going to go back to that. Uh, it's it's hard. But yeah, Disco Elysium. What what I have taken to doing is putting them on my like wish list. Yeah. And so that I can see like, oh, does it drop in price? And sometimes even if I don't buy when it drops in price, it reminds me that I have it on my wish list. And so sure. that's the function it's I've been using. It's fun to be though. reminded of things. What is Gang Beasts? Um, I don't know. I, I highlighted it on here, but I, I don't. I, it's a name, a game name that I've seen a bunch of times. But okay, I'm not, great. I'm not sure I know what it is. On Thursday, October 14th, Subnautica and Subnautica Below Zero are released on the Switch eShop. I believe this must be like a collection or a bundle. Yeah, I Because think I right. think they are individually already available. I uh, also just wanted to point out there's a game on the 14th called Red Ronin. Um, and I don't know anything about this game, but when I was scrolling through the new releases, definitely thought that was Red Robin. Like a uh, tie like a hamburger the place, yes, hamburger um, restaurant. I mean, also also out on uh, on Thursday is a game called Inspector Waffles, uh, and I and I'm choosing to believe that that's a a, a dachshund in a, uh, a Sherlock Holmes hat, but uh, I I, and I don't want anyone to prove prove otherwise. And then on October fifteenth, this is Friday, Crisis Remastered Trilogy with Crisis Re- Crisis Crisis Two and Crisis Three Remastered are is on the Switch eShop. And then on October 18th, on Monday, Sora comes to Smash. Sora comes to Smash. Uh, that's exciting. I think we'll probably talk about that in greater detail in the news. Um, but yeah, that's happening on Monday. Uh, guess what? I called it wrong last week when I said uh, that the Smash will be completed uh, with the Mr. Sakurai Presents. Uh, instead, it was just a- announced how it would be completed. We'd have to wait a week for the, uh, f- for the final piece of it there. Um, okay, uh, those are the new releases. Let's close this out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers did not play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, this last Friday night, you and I went to a screening of No Time to Die. Screening, it makes it sound like it was something special. <laughs> went to the AMC at the Americana uh, and uh, saw the new James Bond movie. Let's talk about James Bond. I um, really like No Time to Die. Here's something that we're not going to do. Uh-huh. We're not going to spoil No That's Time right. to Die at this That's point. That's right. Yeah. So if you if you just had a second of worry like, I haven't been able to make it to the movie. I'm an idiot. Um, don't worry. We're not going to we're not going to ruin it or anything. Yeah. But Mark I, liked it. I Well, I like James Bond movies in the same way that I like Marvel movies where it's like, oh, this is was fun. This was a good time mm-hmm. at the movie theater. Will I ever watch again? Probably not. But well, like, here, Here's the thing. Um, n- no Time to Die was uh, good enough and fun enough 
that it sort of made me want to watch all five Daniel Craig ones again. I okay, including I, Spectre, which I know is bad. I I really like No Time to Die. Like I had really had a good time at that movie. And so when I came home, um, I had to. I was making something to eat before going to bed, and I turned on Casino Royale. Yeah, and um, I. I think it's true that I just don't know that I should revisit these movies because oh, I don't think that Casino Royale aged particularly well. I think it did an amazing mm. job in kicking off like this new era of James Bond, but it feels very much like a movie from the early 2000s to me. Interesting. Which is not necessarily a bad thing, but what was not... Um, was, it wasn't hidden for you yeah, in, in like, the moment. Yeah, because one of the things I really liked about Skyfall was uh, Roger Deakins' cinematography. Like, that yes. made that movie. And in this movie, I don't know who the cinematographer was, but what I want out of James Bond is, like, really beautiful, stylish action. Mm-hmm. And, like, No Time to Die gave that to me. Skyfall gave it to me. Casino Royale is not shot like that. Casino Royale is shot kind of, like, flat. Like, it feels very much like a like a, a movie from the early 2000s. Not a bad thing, yeah. but just like doesn't have the same like sense of style that I want out of a James Bond movie now. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that, uh, I mean, like you, you mentioned that like Skyfall is shot beautifully and like it, it definitely is, but it doesn't uh, go to as many like exciting exotic locales as No Time to Die. Um, one of just my favorite things in uh, James Bond, uh, like throughout the, the entire 25 movie franchise is uh, when they go to exotic cities, strange locations, and just like shoot the city right um and that's even something like to 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 specter's credit that like opening sequence at like the the day of the dead march uh, wherever mexico city mexico city yeah um awesome right because they're like shooting the city as itself um and just like existing in that space is so much fun and no time to die does that like four times uh and I, i just love being in those spaces yeah there's an earlier bond and i cannot remember which one it is but they like it's a lot of it takes place in Las Vegas and it is fun because they shoot Las Vegas like it's one of those exotic locales, which it is for the majority of the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's really fun to see like a city. uh, Yeah. Like treated that way when usually it does not get that sort of like uh, star treatment. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I also think um, that no time to die. And again, I'm not going to (laughs) spoil anything here. um, Does a nice job of just like pulling in, um, ideas and locations from uh, ideas, locations, and uh, just sort of like general Bondisms from across the the franchise. Um, like there are moments that feel very uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. There are like little Doctor No references here and there, um, and like the third act of the movie feels like a third act of like the late Connery movies with like the villain secret base. That's like all decked out and crazy. Again, I'm not spoiling anything here, but it just, it plays into those uh, concepts so well. And with so much like fun and realism that like, I don't know. It just it all it all really worked for me. I really liked. No I, Time know, to Die. I had such a fun time watching this movie. It just and a part of it, honestly, like I love, love, love going to the movies. And so uh, the pandemic where like movie theaters were shut down, like that was like not hard for me because there were bigger things going on in the world. But coming back and like watching movies and experiencing them on like the screen again, it reminds me how much and I love sound going oh to gosh. see movies. Yeah. And so. Like, uh, but part of me is like, did I like No Time to Die that much? Or did I just, was it buoyed by the fact that I loved being back in the theaters? And I think it's probably a little bit of both. 
But man, but also, I, I don't care. Everything I don't care. Yeah, I had yeah. such a good time. <laughs> yeah, I, I did too. Um, even though uh, there were nine trailers before the and movie the started. movie's almost three hours long. And the movie's almost we three hours long. We were there for like three and a half. We were hours. there for we were there for so long that my validation ran out. <laughs> I had to pay for parking. And then, and then we're leaving the parking garage after I had to pay ten dollars to go past our, our validated like four hour time limit, um, and then the the arm just opened without me having to put the ticket back in. I pay ten dollars for nothing. No, Mark. no, no. You didn't pay ten dollars for nothing. They like uh, they take pictures of your. Well, we'll never know. Uh, I guess but we'll anyways, it's automated. <laughs> I paid ten dollars for nothing. Um, all right, we were accompanied today by an ensemble at the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix. Mark, let's get into the news. Last week was the final Mr. Sakurai Presents for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, where Sora from the Kingdom Hearts franchise was revealed as the final fighter for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Wow. Yeah, um, this was on, like, people's wish lists, I feel like, and I never really considered it a possibility. Yeah, well, it is uh, something that we... What do you mean? I'm pretty sure we've talked about the, the Sora as as a potential uh, Smash character. Well, I think I guess what I I didn't think of it as you just a possibility. don't think the conversations that we have on this show <laughs> reflect reality. You don't take my opinion seriously. <laughs> I, I I guess um, more what I'm saying is that I feel I felt like the rights to Sora sure, yeah. would like preclude it from being in 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 Super Smash Brothers Ultimate because you not only have the Square Enix piece, but you have the Disney piece and like trying to thread all of those rights, yeah. I thought would be prohibitive. But they figured it out. They did. Um and it's uh, cool to see Sora in Smash. Uh great to have one last presentation um from Masahiro Sakurai to uh you know show us the character, show us all the moves in just excruciating detail. Um and you know one last like rad character introduction trailer. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Do you think that this is the last, like the Masahiro Sakurai will be involved with Smash Brothers? Do you think that this is like, cause it definitely feels like the end of something. Yeah. I mean, cause there's no universe where this is the last Super Smash Brothers game that right. gets made. Um, just because it is too, it's too big of a game for Nintendo at this point. Um, but yeah, I could see this being the end of uh, his his tenure with them. I know, obviously, he is uh, very involved with the the games, but like, it's a whole team of people that right. make, that make these things, yep. right? Like, yeah. uh, you can say it's his attention to detail that is like driving it, but like, I you know, I'm sure there are other people that are just as passionate about the details, also working on these games. Yeah, I mean, it has been so much of his life at this point. Yeah, uh, it feels. I mean, it. I think it will feel strange to have a Smash Brothers game that he's not necessarily like involved with. Yeah. Um. I don't know what that looks like. I don't. I yeah. don't know. I it, mean, I. I. I still think that whatever the next Smash game has to be, either a completely new roster or you know, just like have have a different angle yeah. on uh the fighting game uh team up you know uh thing uh just because what there is now there's no way to do that but bigger right like we we've reached that this is ultimate they they they, they called their shot uh-huh this is the last one that you can do this way but also for him like the perfect time to walk away oh yeah because how do you top it right yeah you don't not his problem right 100 not his problem and uh finishing the development of the game with uh sora a character that as you say seemed like an impossibility um is 
poetic, yeah. right? Like he found the way to do a significant thing and be like and end it that way. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, the, I think there were only a handful of characters that would have been that. Um, and I feel like Sora is one of them. And maybe Waluigi would be another one, or like, and this they would never do it, but like Master Chief, right? Right. Like they where it's like those are characters that are big enough or like meaningful enough to the F Smash fan base that it uh, would mean something for them to be actually be included. But I think Sora is actually the right choice. Well, especially when we found out that, uh, well, little preamble. So during the Wii U era for Smash 4, they ran a fan fighter poll where people could just like suggest fighters that they would want to see in the game. And at the time we were told that Bayonetta was like the number one choice in Europe overall. It was like in the top five. She was in the top five in the U.S. Yeah. and ranked highly worldwide. But they kind of like so they that's why they chose Bayonetta. But they kind of couched it in the terms that like this is the one that it's feasible for us to do at this moment. Right. Um. Like the highest rate ranked character that's feasible for us to do. And now they, in this presentation, Sakurai revealed that Sora was the number one choice worldwide, but, you know, for like logistics and rights reasons, they weren't able to do it. And so Iwata and Sakurai decided to keep uh, Sora being number one secret because they rightly thought that it would cause a lot of grief for everyone involved if they revealed that, but weren't able to follow through. So it's kind of neat that, like, after all this time, like, the negotiations to get Sora to this game must have been excruciating. Yeah, well, and actually, let's pause there for a second because it's maybe worth, like, reviewing who the heck Sora is, right? Um, because uh, a lot of these games have not been on modern Nintendo platforms. Sora is the uh, hero of the Kingdom Hearts games, which are um, a Final Fantasy-esque Disney mashup game. Um, there are some Final Fantasy characters that appear in them, but it's mostly uh, these original characters, or uh, Sora specifically, traveling through um, kingdoms that are made up of uh, settings and characters from Disney films. Right. So there's like an Alice in Wonderland land. Or, uh, yeah, Hercules. Uh huh. Um, a Toy Story. Uh, and uh, he travels through those lands with Donald and Goofy, who are also both like. Final Fantasy esque warriors and Mickey's in the game and like, Mickey's in the game it, yeah, too. Like, yeah, there's a lot tied up here. Yeah, so like it is. I mean, first of all, I I, I can't even really wrap my head around like why this game exists in the first place. Like, wh who at Disney was like uh, talking to the dudes at Square Enix and they were like, Yeah, okay, we can we can do this. You can have our three most iconic characters. You can have Mickey Mouse. You can use Mickey Mouse however you want. And he's like. It, you know, in a mysterious cloak, he's got a big sword. It's like it's wild. Um, so that that is where Sora comes from, um, and part of why it is so complicated to get him in these games is that he, or at least the games that he comes from, are at least partially controlled by Disney, right? Who is very particular about like how characters are used, yes, and what they can and cannot do, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, like the negotiations must have been really time consuming, right? But and and we see one of the consequences is that most of the Disneyness uh, of Sora has been like stripped out of him for his appearance in Smash. Yeah, and even like Sora specifics, um, uh, like Kirby for example, like he doesn't get a, the same Keyblade that Sora mm. has when he like absorbs oh, that's Sora's ability, right? Like, and who knows? Like, it's conjecture that that is like a stipulation of using Sora, but it kind of follows because. That's not something that happens with any of the other characters when they or when Kirby absorbs them. And so 
yeah, who knows exactly what like the the rules are and what they could and could not do. But the fact that I think that they were able to make it happen at all, I think is really cool. And the fact that they were able to get that number one overall pick into the yeah. game yeah. as the it's final character cool. feels very fitting. Um, the song "Simple and Clean," um, which I in my brain always uh, autocorrects to um, "Gentle and Soft," which is the uh, parody song from the documentary now um, that's like ripping off the Eagles documentary. You see this one? No, it's, it's really good. It's so good. Documentary now is a treasure. Um, but in any event, uh, "Simple and Clean" is the song from one of these games um, that uh, they didn't actually uh, clear the rights to it appears in the uh, trailer, but it's not actually in the game itself, uh, even with the added tracks um, from Kingdom Hearts uh, uh, appearing with um, downloading Sora. Oh, interesting. Well, like we mentioned previously, uh, Sora is released with this final Smash update on Monday, October 18th. And I think I might get Fighter Pass 2. Whoa. And I think the reason I'm going to do it is because it feels... I have this feeling that like I want to own the complete Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yeah. Because it feels like the end of an era. And like you said, n- these characters are not going to be available in whatever the next Smash Brothers is. And so I kind of want to like have it all. It feels I want the complete thing. Yeah. No, I, I think that's I think that's perfectly fair. I, will you Obviously, it wouldn't make sense for you to go and buy all of the like Me Fighter costumes as well. That's too much of the the complete thing. Yeah, I don't care about those. <laughs> um, but what about? Because uh, there are a couple of them that are like full costumes that also come with extra music tracks, right? Like Cuphead, like Cuphead, and like Sans from um, Undertale. Yeah. Um. Those are the two that I bought. Probably not seventy five cents each. I know that's true. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Maybe. Maybe. All right. All right. Maybe all right. I will. Well, uh, I mean, speaking of the Mii Fighter costumes, um, also included in the update will be the ability to buy Doom's Doom Slayer, sometimes called Doom Guy, as who, who to me, I was like, oh, it's Master Chief. It was a Master Chief. It was not Master Chief. It was uh, Doom Doom Guy. guy. Yeah, again, uh, funny that they can't just say the name, uh, that it has to be like Smash Cross uh, Doom Guy or Doom Slayer, whatever Uh they said, um, because you can't just call it Doom because it's an M-rated game. Oh, yeah, that's right. Also, uh, Splatoon's Octoline and Judd have me fighter characters. I think. Yeah, it's like one, I think the Octoline one is a wig, and then like Judd is a hat, but they're 75 cents each per usual yeah, um, this is the sort of thinnest um, me fighter. Yeah, it definitely feels edition, like a yeah. grab bag. It's not related to Kingdom Hearts or anything. Right, there's, there's no like, mirrors. I mean, it, can you imagine if they if they landed like a Mickey me fighter costume? It'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. I would buy that. Uh, additionally, the Kingdom Hearts games are coming to Switch as cloud versions. Yeah, that's right. So Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 plus 2.5 Remix cloud version. Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue Cloud Version. I love and these Kingdom names. Hearts 3 Plus Remind Cloud Version will be coming in the future. No release date yet. I th- My memory is that last year, um, series producer Tetsuya Nomura said Square Enix tried porting the games to Switch, but they, they found it technically challenging. And so... Um, That's weird for, like, the original one. For the, like... Although I guess they they are like HD versions of them that are yeah, like yeah, so they for must PS4 have so maybe they're right. So maybe in a similar way to how Dragon Quest XI S 
they basically had to rebuild it yeah. in like a new version of Unreal Engine 4 in order to make it run on Switch. Maybe there was some limitation there, you know, with like whatever uh, engine the games were on originally. So I think it's like nice that they are coming to Switch. Um, sort I, of bogus that they're cloud versions. It's though. a little bit of a bummer that uh, they are cloud versions. I haven't like fully played any of the cloud versions of anything that's been released. I played a little bit. I played the demo for Control and it was fine, but it's hard for me to get like be super enthusiastic about like the cloud versions. Yeah, I mean, one thing that uh, I will say about the uh, these games being the cloud versions is that um, they're not super like twitchy games, right? Like they're they're action, but they're not. It's not super precise action. Um, you're never going to fail a boss encounter because you didn't hit attack quick enough or dodge out of the way at just the precise right moment. Um, so like they might work just fine with you know whatever inher- inherent lag comes with um, cloud versions. But my real question is, what do we think the pricing on these things is going to be? Yeah, great question. I. Do you have a guess? I I think they're going to be too high. I think they're going to be like thirty bucks each, or possibly even forty bucks each. You can buy the Kingdom Hearts All in One package, which has all of these games, including the the third one for PS4 for forty bucks. I would be shocked if they are thirty bucks each. If they're thirty bucks each, I think that that's like <laughs> I would call that a like qualified good deal. I think they're going to be like. I think Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to be 60 bucks. Wow. Like I I maybe 50, maybe 50. I don't think there's any way that these go below 50. I mean that that's outrageous for like a a suboptimal way to play the game. Could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, just knowing knowing that it's Nintendo and that it's Square Enix, um yeah, I mean you're you're probably right. It's probably Yeah, I mean probably I, I, I don't think Nintendo would be will be involved with these at all. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Um, yeah, I guess you're right that it would just be Square Enix publishing. But no release date yet, so maybe I am completely wrong, and they do end up being more reasonable. Because you're right, the, these, the, especially the first two, have been around forever. And Kingdom Hearts three has been out for since like 2018. Is that when it came out? 2019. It's been a few years. Yeah, I think maybe 2019. Um, yeah, it, it certainly has been a few years. And like I said, like the collection of all of them together is uh, less than the price of a regular game on. Uh, a PlayStation and Xbox at this point. So, like, I, if if you have the means to play it somewhere else, like maybe just do that. Yeah, it's probably going to be cheaper. Um, n- neither of us are uh, Kingdom Hearts guys, uh, generally speaking. But I gotta say, just like having Sora in the air right now, and also I felt it a little bit when Kingdom Hearts three came out, where I was like, do I want to like? do I want to mess around with this? And the answer is probably no, right? Like that I'll, I'll play it for like 20 minutes and be like, oh yeah, I, I remember why I didn't actually dig into this. But I, I find myself uh, newly interested in this series. Yeah, there's definitely like something fun about him being added to Smash yeah. that like makes me want to like re-examine the games for sure. Yep. Uh, the Smash presentation also revealed that Steve and Alex from Minecraft will be getting Amiibo they're two separate figures releasing sometime in spring 2022. Um, can, can you tell if they're being released exclusively as a two-pack? So in Japan, they are. They have not said yet, okay. as far as I know, in North America or Europe, what the deal is going to be. But in Japan, it is just a two-pack. Okay, so like the um, Toon Link and uh, Toon Zelda amiibos from the, uh, fr- from the Zelda Anniversary Collection. And so I think that means... 
like we know that Sephiroth is getting one, Pyra, Mithra, and Kazuya are getting amiibo figures. I think that just leaves Sora as the DLC fighter without an amiibo confirmed. And I was a, a little bit surprised that they didn't confirm one in the presentation. But if they're just now talking about Stephen Alex getting an amiibo, right. it's possible that in the future they will uh, announce a Sora one. It just seems weird that that would be if it ends the, up being the, the only one. one. I mean, didn't didn't so, uh, didn't Sakurai make like some sort of uh, comment about it would be strange for Nintendo to put out a, uh, a Sora amiibo? Yes, he did. He um, did. Which, like, yeah, we were talking about Disney being like you know careful about what they let their characters do, but certainly about who they let manufacture right. uh, physical merchandise with their characters on it. So, yeah, I, I I would believe if that is one hurdle that they just can't clear. Mm-hmm. But you're right; it would be odd. It, it would just be weird to have, like, the one out of yeah. all the char- Super Smash Brothers Ultimate characters. Makes me glad I stopped collecting them, actually. Because <laughs> now uh, the, the collection will never be complete. I don't I don't think... I don't have a memory of us talking about these, like, rumors of a Grand Theft Auto game collection coming to Switch. Yeah, we might have. But it doesn't matter at this point whether we talked about it or not. Because after weeks of leaks and uh, data mining, Rockstar officially confirmed... The Grand Theft Auto games are coming to Switch and other platforms sometime this year. It is a three-game collection, Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy. It's the definitive edition, which will include Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, and San Andreas. Right. And it's important to uh, point out that we are just talking about these uh, these three. It's yeah. not Grand Theft Auto 4 and Grand Theft Auto 5 uh, are not coming to, to Switch with any... Uh, that's that's not happening. Right. The definitive edition will, quote, feature across-the-board upgrades, including graphical improvements and modern gameplay enhancements, but keep the classic look and feel of the originals. Uh, Mark, does this do anything for you? No, not really. I'm not really a Grand Theft Auto person. Um, I think I played the most of Grand Theft Auto 3, and it was just, like, hanging out at my friend's house, you know, seeing how many... Uh, how many stars, stars you could, could yeah. get um so yeah i i think it's cool that it's coming to switch but otherwise i'm it, it's not something that i'm personally looking forward to yeah 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 i i i hear that and it, it is it is neat just to see it actually coming to switch especially knowing that like uh this kingdom hearts collection of games uh coming to switch asterisk uh cloud version this is just gonna natively run on your switch we should find out more soon because they're releasing sometime this year. Like we don't know price, we don't know release date, any and we're of that almost stuff. to the end of the year right yeah, now. Yeah, we're almost there. Uh, when Nintendo revealed Nintendo 64 games coming to Nintendo Switch Online as part of the Plus Expansion Pass membership, there were concerns that players in Europe would only have the option of playing the slower 50 hertz European version of the games versus the faster 60 hertz NTSC versions available in other regions. But fear not. Nintendo of Europe tweeted that players in Europe will have access to both the 60 hertz English versions and that select games will also have the option of the 50 hertz European versions. So that way they're offered in multiple languages. Um, okay. Help me break it down for a uh, second. Hi. So when we say 60 hertz, that means what exactly does that so mean? So I don't know. It's, it doesn't equal a 60 frames per second, right? Because that's not actually frequently how the Nintendo 64 was able to run. No. it. Okay. Uh, caveat that, like, 
I yeah, we're we're freewheeling here. here. Yes, we're yeah. not experts in this. Exactly. We're, we're trying to figure it out with the best. But no, it does not relate to like uh, frames per second. It has something to do with the difference between like the um the PAL like video and television standard yeah. versus the NTSC standard, which is used in North America and Japan and probably other parts of the world. Um, I do not know why it is the case, but it is the case that for whatever reason, because of the two different standards and the way that they work, that um, the NTSC games run faster than the PAL versions of the game. So literally the music, the, you know, like the games, everything like literally run slower than they do um, in outside of Europe. Um, is that why uh, European TV shows always look a little bit different on uh, like on uh, American TVs? I don't know. That could be. That could be. You thought I was going to ask a stupid question. No. <laughs> yes, no, you did. Never. Yes, you did. You <laughs> thought I was going to ask a stupid question. I just never know if it's going to be a joke or not. So I have to prepare <laughs> yeah, myself enough, for both. Um, we'll, we'll also learn more about the Animal Crossing New Horizons update that was teased in last month's Nintendo Direct this Friday because an Animal Crossing Direct is happening... Friday, October 15th, the 20-minute presentation starts at 7 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, what can we infer from those little pieces of information? Coming, uh, the presentation comes out on Friday morning, 20 minutes. Does that seem like a lot or like not a lot? I feel like it's... A, it feels like it's got to be substantial, I right? feel like it's a lot because previously when there were like the summer updates where they added swimming and stuff... That was pretty much just like a tweet and like a minute 30 like, long yeah, video. Yeah, really short like, videos. Yeah, so 20 minutes does make me think that it's fairly substantial. And maybe we'll get news about like further updates as well. So maybe, a, you know, like 10 minutes is talking about the this up, like the update coming now. Then they talk about events that are happening on, in November and December. And then maybe a sneak peek at something that's coming a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that all tracks for me. Um, I'm excited about this. Uh, I'm looking forward to having a reason to get back in into my island. Um, Sarah has been asking me about it. That she was like, "Hey, did they announce that stuff yet?" And I was like, "No, not till Friday." Um, so yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm I'm very much ready to go back to my island. It's called Valhalla. I'm very much excited to go back to Valhalla uh, and see what's new there. So finally, we're still waiting on more details about this new. Uh, Plus expansion pass membership for Nintendo Switch Online. Yes. And in the Nintendo Direct... Which we should get before the end of the month, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So in the Nintendo Direct last month, Nintendo said we would learn specifics about it before it launches later in October. So there was the Sakurai Presents that that happened in October. Check. Happened. Yep. Yep. Uh, This week, we're getting the Animal Crossing Nintendo Direct, which is almost also promised for October. Yeah. So tentative. Check. We know when that's going to happen. So there, there are precious few weeks left in October. Do you think next week is the week that we find out about uh, the new expansion pass membership? So what, what we were, we're saying the uh, the week after, so not this week, next week, um, possibly even the Friday uh, to be like the same. Yeah, that'd be the, the 22nd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 22nd, I would say by the 22nd, we will know uh, when the Nintendo 64 games are coming, what it costs, um, and maybe that's it, right? That's the only... I think that that's really the outstanding pieces of it. Oh, and when we can start to order those <laughs> yeah, controllers. Yeah, the, the controllers, yeah. And the Genesis. I don't I don't mean to downplay the fact that there are Genesis games on this thing, too. That is also cool. I want to know when I can get my hands on that Nintendo 64 controller. 100%. Because it is something that... Look, I didn't get a Switch OLED 
right edition and i had i was bit by the bug sort of like later last week where i was like oh, i should try to get this thing and of course i failed because they're sold out everywhere but like i'm not i'm not, I'm not gonna let that happen to me again <laughs> i'm gonna get this nintendo 64 I'm controller. Gonna get it too uh, will i ever use it probably not probably not but um but look are we also maybe planning on doing a nintendo 64 month uh coming up like yeah, maybe we are. Does it make the most sense for us to play Nintendo 64 games with Nintendo 64 controllers? Um, absolutely it does. Um, all right, Mark, let's close out the news. Was not sure which version of the transition music that was going to be. Uh, pr- producing the show blind as I go. Okay, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. Um, if uh, you... No, I clicked away. Mark, I'm ruining the end of this show. <laughs> uh, we appreciate it when uh, when you do all those things. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Um, on Twitter... We, I am Patrick underscore LRS. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. The show is at Nincard Society on Facebook. Uh, it's just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying the next Smash Brothers game starts with Qbert. And thank you for listening. Imagine a podcast. Now, imagine a musical. Now, imagine the two of them made one million babies. Well, you don't have to imagine it, because it's real, and it has a name. One Million Musicals. Each month, we bring you a brand new, original podcast musical featuring talent from across Broadway, films, and TV. You'll hear tales of spooky ghosts, Wild West shootouts, adventures on the high seas, and much, much more. One million musicals. Only a few hundred thousand to go. A Campfire Media Podcast. Campfire. <laughs>